praise and take a seat. Amen. Praise the Lord. Good morning, everybody. The faithful New Year's Eve day attenders at church. You guys, you guys get extra points. All right, hey, real quick, before we get going, I want to remind you of a couple of things. Next week, as we enter into the new year, we start our 21 days of prayer and fasting, which we will be spending all of January doing. Uh, this is one of the most significant times of year for us as we dedicate our year unto the Lord, as we seek him, as we sacrifice certain things, as we replace those things with more of Jesus. And so I just want to encourage you uh, to not just show up, but to show up ready to start preparing your heart to start considering ways in which you might let go of some things in January, ways in which you might dedicate more time to the Lord. What does that look like for you? Uh, next week, we'll have a whole booklet for you for the whole series. It'll help you navigate those things. But I'm just telling you, uh, this, this next month can radically change your life and set up your year well. And so just come ready for that and participate and be ready. Also, just for the youth out there, next week we're starting a five o'clock youth service. Uh, we're moving it to five. We're gonna run a service. So if you're here, there's gonna be free food, and a free gospel, okay? Those are the two things that you should come for, you should bring your kids to. So uh, youth service, January 7th, five o'clock. Uh, bring your friends and come join us. All right, here's a, here's a quote from Mark Twain to get us started off this morning as we close our year. He said, the two most important days in your life are the day you are born and the day you find out why. These are the two most important days in your life. Today, I wanna help you with this second most important day of your life, to find out why you are here, or for many of you to remind you as to why you are here and to help you as you plan for 2024 to order your life around the purpose of your existence. Now I was reading an article about this particular quote and about purpose, and this is what one of the guys said about discovering your purpose. Everybody, so we wanna discover our purpose. Today is about purpose, and, and here's what he said. He said about this quote, he said, you don't have to say much or do much on the day you are born. But the day you find out why, the day you discover your calling, your life purpose, this day is all on you. This is one of those tasks that you cannot delegate. You need to find and define your why in life. Only then will you be able to identify your purpose in life. This was from a LinkedIn article. This is a common way of thinking, and it's actually quite depressing. I don't know how many of you read that and just feel like, or listen to that, and you feel like, Ugh, you know, one more thing for me to figure out what to do, you know? One more pressure for me to make happen. He says it's all on you. Discovering your purpose, finding your why, living a life of meaning, it's all on you. And I know this is how it feels for me when I read things like that. That feels extremely burdensome. It feels very burdensome to think, well, I have to find my purpose. And we hear phrases like this, especially around here in the country we live in all the time, things like, you can be anything you wanna be. And as much as that's supposed to be freeing, it's actually quite paralyzing also. Well, then what do I do, you know? Or how about this? The world is your oyster. Like, you can just take any of it that you like. When you come to realize that's actually not true. Or how about this? If you believe it, you can achieve it. And you think, yeah, you know, these phrases are supposed to motivate us. But I think the reality is that they actually bog us down. We hear things like this. And then, especially the, the younger generations raising up, you get stuck in jobs that don't match your passions. You're stuck in a job that doesn't fulfill your purpose. You're doing something every day that you don't like to do. And then you wonder, what in the world am I supposed to do with all these things? I thought I could be anything I wanted to be. You, you realize over time that being five foot 10 isn't good enough to play in the NBA. And you realize there are certain things I cannot do. 
that I am not able to functionally do. I cannot do this. This is not something that I can do. Be anything I want to be is actually the opposite of, of true. It's not true. There's nothing true about that. I can't be anything I want to be. I can't be anything I want to be. So we realize this as we get older. We get depressed because we cannot change our circumstances to align with our passions, our desires, the things that we want to accomplish in life. And even if we are able to change our circumstances or accomplish these kinds of things we set out to, we become also disillusioned because we don't live a life of meaning just by being successful. So I either get successful and fulfill my passions, my job aligns with my feelings and my passions, and that still leaves me empty, ironically, or I believe that I can be anything I wanna be, but then I'm stuck doing things every day I don't wanna do, and I become disillusioned. Either way, finding my purpose, being somebody of meaning, having a life that matches my internal passions, being free to do these kinds of things, they all, instead of becoming something that frees us, they become something that chain us. These realities, they bog us down. They become pressure on our lives. They make us depressed. They discourage us. They make us disillusioned. And because we get in that place, we can't find our purpose, and therefore we go to other means just to numb the pain or to deal with life. Because we're not being fulfilled at our job, or not being fulfilled in our normal kind of sphere of life, or we're not able to accomplish the things we wanted to accomplish, or our daily life doesn't match what we really love, all of these things lead us to take other outs to be able to navigate those feelings. We don't know what to do with them. And what I want you to understand about life is very important as we consider purpose, is all of this is because the reality is we're not supposed to create our purpose, we're supposed to receive our purpose. We're not supposed to make something of ourselves, we're supposed to receive something giving to us. Your purpose is actually not, as this guy says, on you, it's actually on someone else. What you need to understand about your life and this is true about purpose and true about all the other things we've been talking about, hope, peace, and joy. These things do not come from within you, but from outside of you. You don't have to look within yourself to discover your purpose. You need to look outside of yourself. You don't have to look within yourself to make yourself happy. You need to look outside of yourself. And not just to anywhere, but namely to God. This is what we've been talking about this last month is that Christmas season, the Advent season, this month as we, as we think about these things, is Jesus reminding us that Jesus is making an offer to us. There's an offer on the table of hope, peace, joy, and purpose, amongst many other things, forgiveness, love, you could keep going on, but those are the four things we've focused on. And God wants to offer you something, and today he wants to remind you of, or to offer you for the very first time, a real purpose in life. A life of meaning, a life of significance, a life that matters, a life that is bigger than something than yourself, being a part of something bigger than yourself. God wants you to join in being part of something amazing and to live for something significant and to have purpose in life. Not a purpose you achieve, but a purpose you receive from God. He wants to free you of the burden of trying to discover yourself. He wants to free you from the pressure of trying to be successful. He wants to free you from the uh, lie that if you were to be these things, you would feel better anyways. And he wants to actually gift you with something this morning so that you can let go of all that and be free. And unlike how, you know how when famous athletes, they, they always struggle after they're done playing. So you, you're really athletic, you know, you're famous, you're rich, everybody's watching you. You, you, you wake up, you work out every day, you do all these different things. You have a, you have a great purpose, you, you think you do for a while. And then all of a sudden that's gone and then you see how they, they get broke or they just get into trouble or they do different things. Some of them, they just lose it. Why? Well, because they've lost their purpose. You can only be a successful athlete for so long. 
for so long. Eventually, that's going to run out. This is why it's actually good to play golf, because you can play that till you're old, okay? So it's a good idea. You can be successful at golf, and you can competitively play golf at an old age. Uh, but what I want you to know about your purpose in Jesus, this is the encouraging thing about your, this entire message this morning, is that living for Jesus is something you can do no matter how young or old you are. It's something you can do no matter what your job is or what it's not, whether you like your job or don't like your job. Living for Jesus is something you can do no matter what your social standing is, no matter what your socioeconomic status is, no matter what your circumstances are. Living for Jesus and finding your purpose is independent of any of your life situations and circumstances. It is a gift always available to you in Christ. And that is super freeing to say, my purpose is not attached to my job being something I'm passionate about, my circumstances going well, my body being healthy, me being successful, matching my outside life with my inner feelings. My purpose is not attached to any of those things. It's not attached to whether I'm young or whether I'm old. It's not attached to what people let me do or what they don't let me do. It's not attached to what I have to do or don't have to do. My purpose is not attached to any of those things whatsoever. So my fulfillment in life is not attached to those things whatsoever. It is solely and completely in Jesus Christ because I can live for Jesus, to know Jesus, and to become like Jesus, and to help others become like Jesus. I can do that anywhere at any time. And that is your sole purpose in life. Here's a phrase I want you to write down to consider for, for the rest of your years. this, is that God's purpose is always available to you. It is not dependent on you. And it doesn't come from you, it comes to you. When you think about purpose in life, instead of being broken and bonded and pushed and pressured by the purpose that the world wants you to try to fulfill or the one that you have for yourself, I wanna free you this morning by this truth. God's purpose is always available to you and it's not dependent on you. It doesn't come from you, it comes to you. So I offer you something different this morning. Instead of if you believe it, you can achieve it, I offer you this morning, if you believe it, you can receive it. And this is the truth of the gospel, essentially, the truth of Jesus. So go ahead and open your Bible to Luke chapter 2. Let's go. We're going to read one more Advent passage as we close out December. And we're going to discuss the purpose of Jesus and how that relates to the purpose of your own life. Well, so we've read this passage before to discuss Simeon, and now we're going to discuss Jesus' role in it. Luke chapter 2, verse 25. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and he blessed God, and he said, now here's what we see the purpose of Jesus. Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. So these are the three things we're gonna see about the purpose of Jesus. We'll stop there. And as we, as we realize the purpose of Jesus, you're going to realize your own purpose within that. That's what I hope you understand about this, is that your purpose in life is found within the purpose of God. It is not found independent of God, so you are not going to find yourself by running away from God. This is the lie the world has put on you to say, well, you, if you really want to find yourself, you can't be restricted by the commands or the way of another. That's a lie. Nobody finds themselves by going outside of the one who made them. 
You're going to discover who you really are by going into the one who made you. Within his purpose, you will find your purpose. You cannot find yourself, your meaning in life, your purpose or your passions outside of the one who made you. And so I want you to consider this morning the purpose of Jesus and how within the purpose of Jesus, your creator, you will find your own purpose. So these three words describe the purpose of Jesus, at least here in this passage, salvation, light, and glory. These are the three things we're going to kind of use for the rest of our time this morning, salvation, light, and glory. These are the three words that describe the purpose of Jesus, and they're also the three words that are going to describe our own purpose. And I want you to understand, as we jump into these things, how, how purpose works. So imagine you, you go into your, your kitchen, and you go, you have a stove, you have a refrigerator, you have a microwave. You have things that have been designed for particular purposes, and if you tried to use them for something they weren't designed to use, then it's not going to work. So if you wanted to freeze your ice cream and you put it in the oven, you would do the exact opposite of freezing your ice cream. You would melt it. If you wanted to cook some cookies and you made the dough and you put it in the fridge, you'd still be left with what? Cookie dough. You wouldn't have cookies. Why? Because you can't bake something in a fridge. It wasn't designed for that. If you want toast, you need to use the toaster. If you want to heat something up, you need to use the microwave. And they can't do the other thing. They do what they were designed to do. And in doing what they were designed to do, they fulfill their purpose. Each one has a particular thing. I want you to understand this is how it works for us and God. God has designed us, God has made us to function a particular way, to utilize our lives for a particular reason. And when we use it for those purposes and reasons, things begin to make sense. When you, heat, when you want to heat something up and you put it in the microwave, these two things go together. A desire for warm food and the function of a microwave makes your food warm. Well, this is true in our life as well. When you realize, oh, my design to be happy is, is found actually in being with Jesus. So I'm going to be most happy when I'm most close to Jesus. My, my desire for purpose and for fulfillment in life is attached to what I was made to do, which is to become like Jesus and to teach others or to share the gospel with others, to help other people know Jesus. So when I utilize my life for the purpose by which I was made, then I attach my internal desires to the external objective reality of my creation. Those things match, and it begins to make sense. So many of you are struggling because you're trying to heat things up in the fridge. You're trying to make things, you're trying to cook things, uh, you're trying to do these things opposite, you know? You're trying to cool something down in a microwave. This is what happens when you try to live your life for anything outside of the purposes of God. You're not attaching your internal desires with the external reality of why you were made. You're mixing and matching. And therefore, you're left frustrated. You have ice cream that melts in your life, you know? You have cookies that don't cook. You wonder why things aren't working out. You wonder why you're, you never feel complete. You wonder why these things are never matching. And then you blame it on your job. Well, if I just had a better job, I would feel more like I had a purpose in life. You blame it on your relationships. Well, if I was just married, I'd feel more like I had a purpose in life. You blame it on your family. If I just had the right situation, I'd feel more like it. You blame it on your living conditions. Say, well, if I could just move out of this and into this, I would feel more complete, like I'm matching my internal desires with my purpose. And this is why people, then you get divorced. You say, well, the wife's not doing it. The husband's not doing it. I gotta find a new one. And you just you start mixing and matching your entire life, trying to complete something that you can't complete outside of the purposes of God. You were made by God. You were designed to function in the way that God wants and the way that God has designed, and you will never match your internal desires for things rightly. You'll never complete them until you match them with God's purposes. And you're gonna see those in Jesus. So that's how, that's how purpose works. If you're like, 
Let's just explain. How does electricity work? How does gravity work? Throw something up, you bring it up. This is how purpose works. You find your purpose when you align it with God's purposes because you are made to fulfill God's purposes. That's how purpose works. And it cannot function or work any other way. So the three things. The first is salvation. I'm going to call it this. Salvation is the mission. So you think, what is my mission in life? Everybody says you need a mission and a vision statement, okay, in your life. You need a mission and a vision statement for your organization, for your company. You need clarity on what it is you're supposed to do. Well, this is it. What is the purpose of Jesus? It's to save. Verse 30 says, my eyes have seen your salvation that you prepared in the presence of all peoples. So to know our purpose, we have to know God's purpose, like I said. This passage makes it clear. What is the purpose of Jesus coming to earth? It is to bring salvation, particularly we're going to see as a light to the Gentiles and as glory to Israel. The, the purpose of Jesus in coming to earth is to be a savior for all people. Jesus said it so himself in Luke 19.10. He says, I have come to seek and to save the lost. You say, what is the purpose statement of the life of Jesus Christ? The most important, influential figure in history. What is his purpose statement? His purpose statement is, I have come to seek and save the lost. We learn also from the scriptures that as a matter of fact, not only has Jesus come to do that, but he's the only option for salvation. Acts 4.12 says, there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven by which men must be saved. So Jesus not only came to save, but Jesus came as the only option for salvation. This is exactly what Jesus is up to in the world. This is why Jesus probably brought you to church this morning, where it's for you to hear that he loves you, that he came, that he died on a cross to pay for your sins, that he rose from the dead on the third day, and he says, if anybody will believe in me, that person can receive eternal life. You can be saved, and Jesus came to save you from your sins, to save me from my sins. Jesus is actively, right now, saving people all over the world. Every second of the day, he is bringing people from death to life. Every second of the day, in every country in the world, in every language known to man, the Bible says he will bring people to life in Christ. And one day, we will all gather together with people of all different ethnicities from all different countries, speaking all different languages, all saying one name because there is only one name that can save anybody from anywhere, and it's Jesus. And Jesus is doing that right now. He is actively doing that here at City Light. Praise God. He's actively doing that at other churches down the road that are preaching the gospel. He's doing that in people's apartments and homes. He's doing that all over the world. He is saving the lost. And he wants to save some of you as well. If you walked into this room and you do not have a personal relationship with Jesus, I want you to know that he brought you here for this one particular purpose, to seek you and to save your soul. And it would just be the most foolish thing ever to walk out of here still lost, still wandering around when the answer to all of your life was presented to you. So please don't do that. Jesus says if you believe and trust in him, you can be saved. So this is what Jesus is up to. This is the gospel. You don't have to achieve it, just receive it. Jesus has achieved everything that you need. He's died, he's risen again, he's done all the work. So this is the mission, it's very simple. The mission is salvation. So if you wanna live your life according to the purpose of Jesus Christ to fulfill the greatest reason for your existence, then you will be constantly doing what you can to help other people know Jesus. 
You will be raising your children specifically for the one purpose of knowing and being close to Jesus. Not to be great athletes, not to be great academics, not to be great students, not to be great. Those things are fine, and it's fine to give time to them. We want to be good at things. That's all well and good. But the main goal of raising children is to devote them unto Jesus Christ. The main goal of being a friend is to help friends know Jesus or grow closer to Jesus. The main goal of having people in your life that don't know Jesus is that you would represent Jesus to them is that you would show the love of Jesus by your actions and that you would speak the gospel of Jesus in your words. We ought to wake up and make it our mission every day to do what we can in ways that we can to bring the gospel message to as many people as we can. This is not the job of just missionaries in foreign countries and not the job of just pastors and staffs at church. This is the job of every Christian on planet Earth. And I'm just gonna tell you this morning, it isn't just you hear the message, okay, you need to go share the gospel. Yes, but what I'm telling you is you will never find the purpose of your existence or live a completely kind of fulfilled life that matches your internal desires with your purpose until you begin to exalt Jesus in front of others. You will always be lacking, empty, or missing out until you begin to profess and confess the name of Jesus to other people. Your life will never match its purpose. You were made to praise God. And if you don't praise God, you will not live according to what you were made for. You will be empty and lost. If the purpose of Jesus is to save those around you, then that is your greatest purpose as well. And if the purpose of Jesus is to reveal his salvation to those around you, that is your greatest purpose as well. Therefore, you will never live your purpose until you live it that way. So I want you to consider maybe even one step in this new year how you can be more active to do that, how you can be more proactive to do that in your life. I also wanna point out a phrase here that's very important. So this is to, maybe if you're here and you're a little skeptical, about Christianity, or maybe you're watching online because you don't want to come to church yet and you're not sure how to do that. Uh, whatever your situation is on this, I love this phrase, so I'm just gonna take two minutes to, to show you something. It says here in the verse, the, the salvation, here's the phrase, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples. It's a very interesting phrase, that the salvation, as they say, here's the salvation of God that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples. Here's something I want you to know, is that Christmas, or the coming of Jesus, is God making himself plain and obvious to us. It's God making himself plain and obvious to us. You know, sometimes the reason, you guys know this, sometimes the reason you can't find something is not because it's hidden, it's because it's too obvious. That's why the phrase, you guys all know it, what's the phrase? Hidden in plain sight. Everybody knows that phrase. It's because it's too obvious. We tried to do this with our baby Jesus this year. You know, we, we do baby Jesus on, on December 25th in the morning. They go find baby. So it's like, instead of elf on the shelf, we do baby Jesus. Okay, we have Jesus juke to the elf on the shelf. And we have, a, we have a baby Jesus. They have to find baby Jesus. We do a little devotional and then they open presents. So uh, we decided we would put baby Jesus in the most obvious place. We would put him in the manger with the nativity set next to the TV. We thought this would be too obvious. They'll, they'll spend time looking in all the nooks and crannies of life and they won't find it. Well, it was the exact opposite. Actually, they came right down and uh, one of our oldest went right to the baby Jesus area and he got it right away. And he was like, oh, look, baby Jesus is in the manger right where he's supposed to be. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, I guess so, yeah. <laughs> now, that took one second for you to find that. That didn't work. Sometimes it doesn't work. But you know as well as I do that sometimes things are hidden just because they're obvious. Here's what I want you to understand about God. The existence of God, the revelation of his plan in Jesus, the detailed accounts that we have of these things in the Bible, which, to let you know, academically and historically is the most reliable document in history. This has nothing to do with being a Christian. 
Just as a, as a historical document, it is the most reliable, verifiable document in human existence. With all of these things to be accounted for, I want to present to you that God is not hidden, that God has made himself blatantly obvious. The life and the work of Jesus was done so publicly and so obvious and is so significant that the entire world calendar is based off his life. His ministry was so public and so obvious and significant that secular people and non-religious people and religious people of other religions have all dedicated their calendar to his life. He was not, though God is not hidden. I know some people say, well, if only God would just reveal himself, you know? Why doesn't he just write it on the sky? Jesus is the Savior. Well, let me give you one better. He came down from the sky. And he did it in a public way, and it was written down for us to know. So I just want you, to, I wanted to present to you that the life and the ministry of Jesus is far more verifiable, more useful, more helpful than the dreams and visions of other prophetic leaders. So Jesus did ministry in public. He did signs and wonders in public. He died on a cross in public. He rose from the dead and spent 40 days with the public. And then you have some people like Joseph Mormon who said, I have a dream and a vision. And here's what God told me. And you guys all need to believe that. Or Muhammad, I had a vision. I'm a prophet. Here's what God told me. You all need to believe that. I would say the one who's done all the ministry in public and who has verified it in his death and resurrection would be much more trustworthy than someone else. God is not hidden, and I want you to stop using that as an excuse to not believe in him. Stop saying if God only revealed himself to me more. Look at everything around you. You think all this happened by accident? There's no way you really think that. There's just no way in your heart of hearts you can look at all this and say, yeah, it's just here, just here. Just boom, baby, it's here, you know? You don't, you do not believe that at your heart of hearts. And I just want to present to you this morning the need for you to respond to God. You will not be able to stand before God and have an excuse that say, well, if you had made yourself more plain to me, I would have believed in you. He's not going to allow that because he has made himself plain to you. The existence of God the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ is the most public, verifiable, reliable, obvious thing. And I want to present that to you this morning so that you feel compelled and also somewhat obligated to make a decision about who he is. You cannot use the excuse that if God made himself more plain, it would be easier for you to believe. This is not true. He's made himself plenty plain and obvious. You don't believe because you don't want to, because you don't want to submit to God. You don't want to follow his way. And if you would just be honest about that, then we can move forward. But I want to present to you that God has made himself obvious to you because he wants to save you and he loves you very much. Can you imagine if I wanted to give my kids a gift, I wouldn't hide it forever and make it very difficult to find. My love for them would compel me to make it available to them, to make it something they could easily get, to make it obvious to them. And this is something God has done for you in the gospel. So that's number one, salvation is the mission. Number two, light is the weapon. So salvation is the mission. That's the mission of your life. The purpose of your life is to join Jesus in seeking and saving the lost and helping people who know Jesus become more like him. The second thing is what do I use then? What do I use to fulfill my purpose? You know, so if I'm a basketball player, I use a basketball. If I'm a football player, I use a football. If I'm a singer, I use my voice. If I'm a lawyer, I use a computer, you know, whatever. I use these different things. These are my weapons, my tools to fulfill my purpose. Well, light, as a Christian, is the tool, it's the weapon that you're supposed to yield. It says here that Jesus was a light for revelation to the Gentiles. So light is what Jesus used to bring light, obviously, into darkness. 
The Bible calls Jesus the light of the world. John 18, John 8, 12 says, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And so Jesus is the light of the world. His purpose is to be light in darkness, to expose the darkness, and to welcome and bring people into the light. The weapon, the tool, the means by which Jesus saves people is he brings them light. He reveals the fact that they are in darkness because of sin, and he offers them the opportunity to believe the gospel and to join him in the light. Colossians 1.13 describes it this very way. It says, out of the kingdom of darkness and into his marvelous light. This is, Jesus is using light. Light is the tool by which Jesus saves people. It's the tool by which he reveals himself. He brings light into their darkness through the gospel, through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. As he exposes that and brings light, then you see Jesus, put your faith in him, and you're saved. This is how it works. So Jesus is the light of the world. Then Matthew 5, Jesus tells us to go be the light of the world. That's why we say it every week. You are the light of the world, he says. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light so shine before others so they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So Jesus is the light of the world, and then your purpose in Jesus is to go be the light of the world. So to the extent you live as the light of the world will be the extent by which you live out your purpose. You have to use your tool that is the light which means many things for you. It means you have to walk in the light. You cannot fulfill your purpose of being the light for others while you persist in darkness yourself. You cannot maintain a life of sin and then fill a life of purpose. Your purpose is to be in the light, is to be holy, is to be like Jesus. It is to bring light to others. So as you progress in moving from sin towards holiness in life, which you will never be perfect at until heaven, but you can make progress, don't let the fact that you will always struggle with sin be an excuse to just keep sinning. You need to pursue Jesus, let the light of Jesus come into your life, spend time with Jesus, pursue holiness. You can't bring light to others if you're not walking in the light yourself. I wanna show you how this purpose works itself out in the Bible. So John the Baptist, whose purpose was to uh, prepare the way for Jesus, he describes his calling the same way. And when Zechariah, his father, had a prophecy over him, he says in verse, I'll just read verse 79, that he's going to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. Paul uses the same language to describe his purpose. So you have the purpose of Jesus, be the light of the world. The purpose of the guy who prepares Jesus is to bring light to people who sit in darkness. You have the purpose of the greatest apostle ever in the history of, of the Bible, history of the world, the apostle Paul. He says, my, my job, commissioned by God, is to bring the light of Jesus to the Gentiles. They are all talking about bringing light into the darkness of the world. Why is this? Because the problem with the world and the problem with maybe some of you watching online or here today is that you are currently in darkness. 2 Corinthians 4, 7 tells us that those without Christ, their, their eyes have been blinded so that they cannot see the light of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So when someone says Jesus or when you hear the gospel of Jesus, you can't see it as light and beautiful. You're covered in darkness and so your heart is hard, you don't respond. And so the idea of the Christian is we continue to bring light into their life through the gospel so that one day, hopefully by the work of the Holy Spirit, the light will overcome the darkness in their life. The reason that some of you even now are rejecting Jesus is not because he is not worthy of being received, it is because you can't see him as he is. It's not a Jesus problem, it's a you problem. And if you would ask God for eyes to see him, he would certainly grant that to you so you can see Jesus for who he really is. So the problem with the world is that people sit in darkness because of sin. 
And all of us who are in Christ now know that one day before, we were also partakers of that darkness. And Jesus brought the light into our lives. We became Christians. We were saved by professing in Jesus. The light has transformed our lives, so now we walk in the light. The goal now is to bring light to others. And you need to do that as well in your life. Here's what I want you to consider about Jesus. Once again, just to help you consider this reality of, the, of Jesus bringing light into the world. So you know the sun is always shining, okay? The sun never stops shining, the sun's always shining. So you say, you need to ask, a little kid would ask, well why, if the sun's always there and always shining, why does it ever get dark? You know, it's a good, good basic kindergarten question. The sun's always there, it's always shining, so why does it get dark? Well, those of you, obviously, the obvious answer is because the earth turns and rotates around the sun. And there are some parts of the earth that face the sun during some parts of the day, and when they face the sun, they have light. But when they turn away from the sun, when those parts of the earth turn away from the sun, they're in darkness. So the, the difference isn't with the sun, it's with the earth, and whether it's facing the sun or not. And I want you to know as well, that's true for your life. The light of Jesus Christ is always shining. Whether it shines on you or not is dependent on whether you turn and face him. So the darkness that you are in is simply a result of turning away from God. The light is still shining. And if you would rotate, which the Bible calls repentance, if you would turn from your own way, you would turn from darkness into light. The Bible is making an offer to you that instead of living in darkness, you can live in the light. This is true practically as well for those of you who are in Christ on a daily basis. The reason you might experience or walk in persistent darkness, the reason why you might be struggling in certain ways is very simple, is because you have turned your face, your attention, your time, your treasures away from God, and therefore the light of Jesus isn't shining on those things. You have given your heart to someone else, somewhere else, and it's not able to bring the light into your life. Therefore, your heart is full of darkness, depression, struggle. You have turned away. You have used your resources and turned them away from God. And so therefore, they're not turning towards you to bring light into your life. I encourage you as well in the new year to turn towards God and let the light of Jesus shine on your life. The Bible tells us, how do I get out of darkness? John 12, 46 says, Jesus says, I have come in the world as light, so whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. Once again, it's not whether you uh, can achieve, it's whether you believe. And therefore, Jesus wants to help you believe in him so that you can move out of your darkness. Here's a simple statement for you to live by as you, as you uh, enter into the new year, is to be the light is to bring the gospel. It's that simple. To be the light is to bring the gospel. So if light is my, my, my tool, my weapon, it's the thing I'm using, uh, the power of the light is the gospel. Romans 1.16 says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power unto salvation. So to be the light is to bring the, the gospel. And as we know throughout all, all that we do, in, also in acts of service, to be kind, to be generous, to be loving, to serve, to be selfless, to help, to bless, to, you, to, to bless people physically and spiritually, but you cannot bring the light just by acts of service. You have to bring the light by bringing the gospel that might be affirmed and supported by acts of service. But you cannot be the light of the world apart from bringing the gospel to people. You just can't. Uh, I know that sometimes we'd like to make an out, you know, that phrase that, uh, uh, you know, this, uh, it, use the gospel and if sometimes use words. What does it preach the gospel and if necessary use words? Let me just tell you, it's always necessary to use words to preach the gospel. Nobody knows that Jesus died and rose again because you're nice. Yeah. Let me say, oh, that guy's nice. What a nice guy. They may even say, oh, he says he's a Christian. Christians are nice. Cool. 
they'll have no idea that they need to repent and turn from their sins. If you're going to preach the gospel, you have to use your words. There are no other options. There are no cop-outs. There's no other way to do it. Now, you should support that by being nice. Don't be a jerk and then say, Jesus loves you. It's awful. Stop doing that. Don't do that. Be kind. Show love. Help people move. Give people money when they need it. Bless people. Serve them. Wake up early to help people. Whatever. Be helpful. Serve the poor. Give stuff away. Do those things. But do them always in the name of Jesus. You cannot bring the light if you do not preach the gospel. And once again, that is not the assignment just for foreign missionaries and preachers and churches. It is the assignment of every Christian ever. So to, bring the, to be the light is to bring the gospel. Something we say all the time here is that light shines most when it's dark. So light shines in darkness, okay? You don't need light if you're not in darkness. So the idea for all of us is we enter into other people's darkness to shine the light of Christ. We are unneeded where it is not dark. So therefore, we take time to enter into dark, difficult, hard, struggle places so that we can bring the light of Jesus Christ. We do not flee from these hard places. We join them. Light is made for darkness. So that's the second. The third one, the final one is this, that glory is the guarantee. So you have salvation is the mission. That's the mission of your life. You need to align your life with the purpose of Jesus. You will never be fulfilled until you align your days with the purpose of Jesus Christ. The second one is what do I do? Well, I bring light. Light is my weapon. I walk in the light. I pursue holiness and I bring the light by, by preaching the gospel to others. Light is my weapon. The third thing is, is that if I fulfill my, if I walk in the purpose of God, glory is the guarantee. You see the final phrase here, he says, and glory to your people Israel. Uh, what this really means is, see, there's two phrases. So salvation is brought to the world through light for the Gentiles, which is people that are outside of Israel, outside of the people of God. He brings the good news to them, news that they are unaware of. And then glory to the people of Israel, meaning that the people of Israel already know God in some sense, some of them, they have the word of God. They have an idea that the Messiah is coming. They have more information than the Gentiles do. And so when Jesus comes, it is to the glory, the completion, it is to the fulfillment of what has been promised to Israel. So the idea here is that God always keeps his promises, that God is faithful to fulfill his purposes. So light for the Gentiles is new news for people that are far off that don't have any clue about these things. Glory to the people of Israel is God fulfilling and completing what he has promised his people. So the reminder here as we close is to remind you and me, especially those of you who are trying to live out the purpose of Jesus, is that God is always accomplishing his purposes. God always completes his to-do list. God always succeeds at his goals. God is always making things happen. God is always working things towards their best end. So to join God in his purpose is to guarantee that you will accomplish your own purpose is to guarantee it. You cannot guarantee that you will be successful, happy, fulfilled, that all your kids will be what you want them to be, that your job will turn out how you want it to turn out, that your, your uh, daily practice will align with your inner passions and feelings. You can't guarantee any of these things. You can't guarantee that your body will hold up. You can't guarantee any of these things. You cannot guarantee your ability to complete your purpose. You know, Eventually, even someone like LeBron James will have to quit playing basketball, okay? He's breaking records, but he's not gonna do this when he's 55. Eventually, eventually, eventually it's over and he's not going to be able to complete it and to keep doing it. I want you to understand that that's true of everything in life except for when you align your life with the purposes of God because God will always accomplish what he sets out to begin. The Bible says in Philippians 1 6 God will complete that which he started in you. So if you attach your daily life to the purposes and the work of Jesus Christ then your life 
almost like a puzzle piece, will fit right into the bigger picture. And you will be able to see a completion, a glory, a culmination of the work of your life. It will work towards this one great thing, which will certainly happen. Jesus will be glorified. Jesus will have his people that he leads, that he has saved, and that love him. There will come a day when Jesus judges the world, and those who are his will be with him, and those who are not will be separated from him. And your life's work unto that purpose will be completed on that day. And it will be realized as the most important thing and the most useful thing you ever did. So instead of wasting our time attaching our days and our money and our thoughts to purposes that will fail or to things that have no guarantees, I encourage you and urge you really, especially those of you who are followers of Christ, to attach your life to the purposes that will be completed on the judgment day of Jesus. The purposes that will be useful when everything is on the table, when everything matters. And let your life have glory as a guarantee from God. So let me pray, and I want you to respond to God now. Consider how the Lord might be working in your heart. Maybe he's calling you today to believe in him, to trust him as your savior. Maybe he's reminding you to align your life with his purposes. I want you to take a minute right now, just as the music's low, and I want you to consider how God wants you to realign your life for 2024. What does it look like to live for the purposes of God in 2024? What does that look like in your time? What does that look like with your resources? What does that look like with your relationships? What does that look like in anything in your life? Are there people maybe in your life that God is pressing down on you? So you need to be more faithful to, to represent Jesus well. Are there things in which your life, you're, you're attaching wasted time. It's just wasted time. And it's not attached to the great purpose of who Jesus is. And it won't be completed. It's just gonna let you down. What does it look like to be encouraged this morning that God will continue to work in the ways that he's been working in you? So just take a minute, give that to the Lord. If you're here today and you need Jesus for the very first time, I welcome you to come up. I'll be down here if you wanna pray to respond to God in faith and in trust. So let me pray, take a minute with the Lord and we'll sing together. <laughs> Heavenly Father, we love you so much. I, I just pray now. First of all, thank you. I thank you, Lord, that purpose is not something we have to find or achieve or be great enough to do. It's something that we simply receive like little children. I pray that you would give us all a deep breath this morning that we wouldn't be so stressed, so pressed down, that we would be able to receive your mercy and your grace and how you're working in us. I pray that you would also reorganize, realign our lives, that we would live them according to your purposes and priorities. I pray, Lord, that this truth would have a real tangible difference in our lives this next year. And I pray finally for those in the room or watching online who don't know you yet, who are seeking purpose everywhere else, Lord, that you would bring the light of Jesus into their life, that they would put their faith and trust in you. And so would you work, Lord, in real tangible, practical ways. Take this truth and apply it to our lives. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen.